0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: And hey, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I do powerlifting, Highland Games, amongst other things. Run the barbell open, which is in the end of the bench press week, going into the final week, which is deadlift. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so.
2: This is uh, John Mike. I'm an assistant professor in exercise science. We just started our first week of classes this past week. And uh, yeah, and my hobbies include taking up a lot of space and uh, taking up even more space whenever I have to travel on an
1: airplane. So.
2: <laughs> always, a, always
0: a challenge. Right.
3: <laughs> uh, this is MC Powers. I'm a collegiate strength and conditioning coach, a former distance runner, and turned weightlifter.
0: <laughs> Love it. That's, that's one of the best things about having you on is, you know, you've seen the light, <laughs> seen the light.
3: Yes, I have.
0: Uh, all right. I have a little bit of news, uh, everyone. Uh, once we get through some Iron Radio news and some science news and stuff, uh, we had MC come on, come back on the show. <laughs> if we keep doing this, she'll be like a co-host. Um, <laughs> but to talk about different certifications uh, – that she and I were talking just a week or two ago about her how different some of her certifications were, and it started occurring to me that some of these things might be more applicable for, for self-improvement. And, John, I know you and I have, have talked a ton about different certifications, and, uh-huh. and you know more about a lot of the strength ones even than I do. But um, So after the break, we're going to talk about certifications for personal progress, right? Not just to train other people, but you know, could these make you a better lifter, power lifter, strongman, whatever, uh, and, you know, we'll talk about that uh, it, in the news here. A couple of quick things. Um, Strength and muscle sport news. I have not written anything for T Nation for uh, years, but I wrote uh, something. I like Chris Shugart a lot. He's the content um, officer there now. And oh, cool. they they asked us, uh, would you want your own child to participate in bodybuilding or physique sports? And, um, so they had different people just write little blurbs and I took kind of a middle path, you know, with the right kind of guidance and that kind of thing. But there's also a lot of, you know, frankly, superficiality and even deviance in, in physique sports and that kind of stuff. But I was curious about you, Phil. I mean, I'm going to ask, I could ask all of you guys, I mean, Phil, you're the only parent, but, um, how would you respond to that? Would you want your own child to compete in physique sports? That's tough. It is. Um,
1: yeah, uh, like you said. I mean, it depends on who's guiding them, and you know, I guess where they're competing and everything else. I mean, yeah. Because ah, man, it's been having worked in that field first. It scares me because I know the amount of eating disorders. Right. and everything. Yep. Oh, it's oh, it's a that's a slippery slope. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have to be a slow.
0: Learned process
1: right, so. right. Yeah uh, Some
0: people I think they like The dramatic You know Sometimes you'll get Like the pro bodybuilder Or somebody come on And, and they'll try to say Something dramatic Or I think like T.C. Lu almost said Hell no You know F no <laughs> and, and it's yeah. kind of funny uh, But at the same time Um like, I really had to think about that with Logan. You know, Logan's lean and, you know, uh, muscular. He's not heavily built. He doesn't train a, a ton, but uh, I never took him to my bodybuilding shows when I competed. Um, he was welcome to go if he showed a lot of interest, but I wasn't going to drag him there, you know, because yeah. there's, yeah, there's a little bit of weirdness going on there, you know, with the primping. And the – I don't know, the the almost theater components, and there's nothing wrong with theater, but uh, like you said, some of the eating disorders, the, the, the politics gets a little ugly. Um, And frankly, some of that stuff is just really deviant. I mean, uh, many episodes ago, listeners, you can go listen. I talk about some of my personal experiences at these things uh, during that last round that I competed. MC may not go listen to those because it's going (laughs) to shatter your image of me. But it was very freaky. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I thought that'd be be fun to talk about. Now, MC, you're more like collegiate and all that sort of thing. What would your thought be? About when you have a, a, a girl or a boy, um, and I know you have a little ex- ex- experience maybe with the, the physique com- competition, but what do you think about that?
3: Um, you know, and I, like, I've never competed in that. i never tried or anything, but I do have a couple friends that were interns with us in the weight room that have been uh, competing. And I, the part for me that I think I would say no if I had a child for that, at least just because my thought is that I see how much it changes their social life mm-hmm. and That's they, a really good point. Yeah. they, it just changes, it makes your social life really difficult. So one of my friends was, she was, you know, her show was getting closer and she was just like, I can't go out with my friends. Like I can't go out to eat because I'm not going to eat anything. And then everyone's like, Oh, you should eat. And it's just, she's like, I just feel like I can't do anything with my yeah. friends. And So that, to me, like, and it's a choice, and it's something that she really enjoys doing, and she's pretty good at it. So it's hard because, and you could say that other sports are like that. Like, when I was in high school, I made some sacrifices for cross-country meets. Like, maybe I wasn't going to go to a football game late on Friday because I ran at 7 a.m., but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you could say the same thing, but I think it's just more dramatic with that
0: sport. Yeah. From my
3: personal experience, I just think it's a little much. From It is
0: more all-consuming in a lot of ways. Yes, you know?
3: that's my thing.
0: John, let me pose it to you this way. Sure. I mean, um, if you had a young man, if you had, you know a, a let's say, a late teen years son, um, would you have any trepidation getting him into strong man or something? I mean, because that's a different ball of wax.
2: Yeah, it is. That's a really good question. And I would probably have to wait to see – if they even have any interest in it at all, I mean, if they don't even have any interest, then it's probably not a good idea to really push them to do right. those types of things. But I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to um, have them just come, watch, like check it out. If they continue to have interest as they get older, if they want to get into you know lifting and strength, then then we can go from there. But um, it's it's funny about the social aspect because I don't think that you get as much deviance with powerlifting and strongman as you do like physique sports and bodybuilding
0: No you know the highland games guys are some yeah. of the most fun loosest like let's drink beer while we do this shit Exactly you know what I yeah mean? they are, yeah they are Very but different. But That's different Yeah
2: I think you do have some like deviance with with powerlifting or strongman or highland games but it's just with with bodybuilding and physique sports it's just a couple levels higher um, but yeah, that's just, it's a good question. It's just, it's really hard to answer. Um, because I, I know some guys that do powerlifting strongly that have kids that their kids don't, I mean, they, they'll they go to the contest, but they don't really have much interest in, in trying it or doing it. I mean, that's, every child, I think, is just different.
0: It's so, true. I have a small percentage of students who, they're sort of like closet phys- physique interested. You know, I really think it's something that calls to some people or not. Uh, but it's not really that, in vogue to do physique stuff you know and i think the the risk is largely that it directly links your body shape and image to, self, to self-worth to self and and the strength sports don't do that you know nobody yeah. cares how you look i mean maybe on some level you want to be broad shoulders and look muscular not just be a big fat beanbag chair you know as a power lifter let's say but um yeah it's not directly related like that so yeah. Yeah, but i also really, i think yeah i'll oh, go ahead yeah.
3: real quick that's just where i think that socially for females i think that makes that sport way more difficult so if i had a daughter i would be much more concerned just because like you said it's putting your the way you look is linked to your success and like right your, yep. your rating or your score, and that's where I see the issue. I, if you're at a young enough and more impressionable age, that could be a problem. It
2: could be hurtful. Yeah, I, yeah. I think another yeah. problem that a lot of people have, and I, I kind of I really try as best as I can to even tell a lot of my students, nowadays There's, there's, it's not the, um, the finding of information, it's just all the filtering of all the BS um, that makes it really difficult, which makes it really difficult to... It um, just educate yourself and edu- educate I don't want to say educate the masses but it's just the filtering of all the information because there's so much of it and there's so much coming from so many different types of individuals um, so I would say the person really needs to get educated it just, and it just comes back to um, what you said MC and, and Phil is just being around good quality mentors um, yeah. Yeah. people that are like really really experienced not people that um, did you know two freaking contests? And they do online coaching, and like they're so, <laughs> right, you know, right. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, you know, I to, and you know, there's elements too because it it almost becomes a popularity contest. You'll hear some of the the figure and fitness competitors talk about. Well, I wasn't part of the click that the some of the main judges trained, like the girls that they trained, or the 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 contest promoter, oh you know. Is and the, and then it's like, oh man, now it's it becomes even more drama and hurtful, and yeah. So you, I agree. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you, that mentor type thing. You don't learn that in a textbook. You got to live through that a little bit. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, my daughter has competed since well, since she was five. She did her first sanctioned weightlifting meet or powerlifting that's, meet when she was awesome. six. awesome. <laughs> and I have no problem with them doing that if they want, you know. Right. But it's a totally different atmosphere. I mean, honestly, like you said, it's less you know uh it's more team building than the other you aren't individualized you aren't like stuck you know you have a bunch of people doing it with you you're not doing your diet and now you're socially you know awkward yeah. mm-hmm. you know so sometimes
2: i find yeah sometimes i find myself um i would i would suspect that i'm a i have a i'm a little bit deviant or looked at with a little bit of deviance because i'm literally like the biggest faculty member on campus
0: oh yeah i'm sure um
2: and it's just like i look like it's funny because last fall when i first started like before i started training at the gym i go to now i was training in the weight room on campus and uh like some students before i knew they were in my class they had they they came up to me and asked me some questions or like they thought I was on the football team because I was lifting you know a bunch of weight and stuff and I'm like no I'm a faculty <laughs> member <laughs> you know so it's just right. like I mean I, I'm it's just weird you know but and that's 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 kind of so you know social deviant as well because literally that's you don't really, you yeah. don't find I mean Lana you've been through this too it's like I mean oh you're a nutrition professor like you're real lean and you work out you know it's just it's just not the norm but you know I'm okay with that, and I think a lot of people just need to be okay with that. It just comes with maturity and security, so Um, anyway.
0: Okay. Uh, Let me run down this list of uh, news tidbits, uh, and then we can uh, go to break and we'll talk about the the certifications here. Uh, I haven't done this in the past, but I'm going to toss this out. Um, If anybody's interested in seeing some talks that I think you – A lot of our listeners would be interested in this. Um, The American Society of Exercise Physiologists is going to join forces with the Research Club on my campus. uh, And October 21st and 22nd, we're going to have a um, conference uh, in Alliance, Ohio. Uh, If you're interested, you can contact me through ironradio.org. I know we have uh, some people in a driving distance kind of thing. But uh, the ASEP and Research Club meeting, uh, there's – A theme that is basically foods supplements training and mental health so it might surprise some of our listeners like some people they have anxiety or depression problems and medications don't aren't you know giving them exactly what they want and believe it or not there's some research that adding creatine to that mix now suddenly some people respond to the antidepressant meds better Right or how far can exercise go to alleviating de- mild depression or moderate depression? You know, so there's a lot of mental health stuff uh, and a lot. You know, there'll be dietary supplement talk and sports nutrition talk, and so again, anybody's interested, you can follow up through IronRadio.org. Oh, and one more thing before I get to, uh, I'm going to shotgun a few headlines to you. But before I do that, I think you guys might find this funny. Just yesterday, I was listening to Science Friday because you know I like that stuff. And um, Ira Flato was interviewing a woman about doping in sports. Okay, <laughs> and now, now this is this gets kind of because you know I know why you're laughing, John, because like the Gen Pop has no no idea, <laughs> right? And so uh, this lady, her name was Maggie Baker, and she said, "I just want to." Um, Throw out you know the, the most dramatic tale I've ever heard of the largest use of anabolic steroids in history and I'm like, okay, you got my attention like who is this individual and what happened to him and you know what are you gonna say about him And here's what she said this individual took 12,000 milligrams or 12 grams of Total anabolic steroids over the course of a 12-month period. (laughs) 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 And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, amateur guys now take like three grams a week, (laughs) a week, you know, and 12 grams a year, she told, you know, the world was the highest ever, Uh, Mm. maybe recorded. Maybe that's where she's getting at, like actually (laughs) documented, but 12 (laughs) grams in a year. (laughs) <laughs> like you know, I, I'm sure we could. There are some people, and there are probably some listeners to the to the podcast itself who you know know people who, <laughs> who have taken 12 grams in a month, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not a year. Uh, yeah. And you know what? And that's the shame of it. I think Phil and I talked about this years uh, in the past, but you know, back in the day, like in the 80s and 90s, a lot of stuff was measured in like 250 milligram or 500 milligram amounts. You know, like. Preloaded stuff or ampules or whatever, uh, like so. You're talking about quarter gram, half gram. And I used to say to people, like I'd go to some big uh, events, and they'd say, "Oh, I'm gramming it," and I'd say, <laughs> "So you measure protein in grams, <laughs> not androgens. That's milligrams, you know." And then o- over time, unfortunately and, and make no mistake. I mean. Somebody who takes 250 milligrams of mixed testosterone esters, they are going to change. I mean, every week they are going to change. You know, they're they're going to recover. They're going to grow. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening there. Uh, and unfortunately, I think things have escalated at the pro level that there's sort of a trickle down attitude where you get a lot of young guys. They won't even they won't even fool around with those sorts of uh, doses anymore. You know, anything yeah. near clinical, it's either three grams or don't waste your time. Yeah, cuz I I've,
2: I've I've heard a lot of people. It's like, well, you need to take a gram per every 100 pounds of body <laughs> body weight. I'm like, oh my God. Well, holy shit? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're a pro bodybuilder or powerlifter or even strongman, I I could I I'm not going to say I agree, but I can see where certainly because of the heavier loading and recovery like that could certainly be more like legit. But I've also heard people say they're on like um TRT and uh testosterone replacement therapy and they're taking like 250 milligrams i'm like in in some aspects yes that that's fine but in more cases than not that's typically a cycle
0: yeah Uh, i I agree i agree because average testosterone production i think from natural you know gonadal production is something like 70 milligrams a week or something like that so if yeah if you're taking 250 that's a cycle now you're now I mean, cycle. I don't,
2: yeah, but you're talking uh, like 12, what was it, like uh, 12 grams a year? Yeah. Is
0: that what that's, you said? Yeah. yeah okay,
2: oh my true. gosh, that's a gram a month. God, stop. I got I to gotta lay down.
0: I know, right? <laughs> Highest recorded in history, she said, and I'm just like, oh, honey.
3: What did the rest <laughs> of the, uh, what did they comments on the rest of the Science Friday say? Like, did they say she was incorrect?
0: Uh, No, uh, because I think to the general population, that's a ridiculous amount. They said that was the amount in an entire stable full of cows or something like that. You know, they're having dramatic statements, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, And she said, of course, he went into liver failure uh, like a year later or something. And it's a typical, you know, it's not exactly evidence-based kind of drama. And and that was unfortunate to me because Science Friday, I expect – Something a little more evidence based now i 'm not saying this didn 't happen, and she may indeed be right that for the Olympic Games, maybe that 's the highest recorded ever abuse, but I, I just I was laughing out loud sitting here in my in my uh, you know office at work because we all know those days are gone I mean twelve grams over the course of a year that 's comical i 'm um, not saying that 's not a lot my god it 's ridiculous like like we were saying John I mean a, a quarter gram a week yeah is enough to change someone significantly Uh-huh. I mean, but anyway. Um, Okay. You know, I was actually going to make a crack about MC's heavy use, but I don't want her to get fired. (laughs) But for the the record, it's clean. She's clean. (laughs) Thanks. If you watch
3: me lift or anything, I'm sure you can figure that out too.
0: (laughs) Okay. A a few quick blurbs. Uh, I have pointed people to the Institute of Food Technologists before. They have a wellness letter, so it's IFT.org wellness letter. Let me just share a couple of these things, and you can easily Google IFT wellness newsletter uh, and follow up. But here are some of the shotgun guidelines from this. One, FDA delays salt guidelines. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has announced that it is extending the comment period for its sodium draft guidelines, which were issued in June to me, this sounds like politics. You know, you get the companies that sell highly sodium rich, you know, salty foods, and they just delay, delay. It's like the, the Sugar Refiners Association, you know. Oh, sugar's great. You know, now they're, oh, no, let's wait and take a closer look at salt. And uh, I'm being jaded here. But so they're delaying the salt guidelines from coming out. Uh, a couple other things here. Uh, I thought this was curious. Freeze-dried vegetable powders may enhance the quality of meat products. Uh, a study published in the Journal of Food Science evaluates the chemical composition of four different freeze-dried veggie powders and how they're mixing it into things like sausages and meats. Imagine, so now you're getting your veggies when you just eat your meat. So I, know, I think that's interesting because I do pretty good on the meat side of things, and I admit, I do not eat enough vegetables like my wife is re- great fruits vegetables all day long and i don't do that enough i mean i eat way more than the average american i think but it'd be nice just to powder it up and throw it in my meat Yeah, that? I i've
2: been eating more salad the last several months than i have probably the last several years <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. uh it's good uh, that's a good point but anyway
0: uh. um Further stuff. A new device may help lower the fat and sugar content in food formulations, says a study presented at the 252nd National Meeting and Expo of the ACS, right, the American Chemical Society. Shows that a new device may able to help food manufacturers create delicious foods with much less sugar, fat, and salt. I wonder how that works. But anybody?
3: Yeah,
0: people can follow up on that. Yeah, the food industry's done that before, haven't they? Or they've tried. Yeah, Not always successful. How Uh,
3: healthy is that solution, though, is the question.
0: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they've tried to do that before with low-fat peanut butter. They'll pull the healthy monounsaturate out, and then they'll replace it with sugar, you know, or, yeah, they'll use some filler or, like, low-fat ice cream with those emulsifiers. Oops, another Mm boo-boo. Yeah, so you got to be careful with this, though. Oily fish consumption may help prevent blindness in diabetics. That's One more thing. Now, again, take this from the fitness perspective. I I think it's suggesting that, you know, you're talking about something that's anti-inflammatory, may help with your carbohydrate metabolism. Uh, I know we're not diabetics, but a study published in JAMA. Ophthalmology shows that two servings of fish a week may lower diabetics risk factors for blindness called diabetic retinopathy. So fish oil also in the news, Continue, you know, health stuff. Here's another one. Again, just shotgun. Gut microbiome may affect dietary compound linked to heart disease. In recent years, scientists have cautioned against eating eggs and meat because these foods generate a common dietary compound, TMAO. That research has suggested plays a role in heart disease. So I've, we've talked about this before. Science Friday did a thing on that last year. Um, what is it? Uh, trimethylamine N-oxide, T-M-A-O. Apparently, it's one of those links that you hear about, the, you know, between meat and uh, heart disease. I don't know. Maybe the anti-meat people just need something else to grab onto because for the longest time, they said, oh, it's the cholesterol in meat. Don't eat cholesterol. But the new dietary guidelines dropped cholesterol. You know, you can eat cholesterol in your diet. It's not going to do that much to your blood levels, you know. So, and then one more I'll just toss out here. Resistant starch may reduce metabolic syndrome. Now, one in three Americans, it used to be one in four. Now, apparently, it's one in three Americans are pre-diabetic. They metabolize carbs so badly. You know, they eat a high glycemic carbohydrate. They get groggy, sleepy. You know, their blood sugar is not diabetic high, but it's too high. Uh, for normal, you know, it's like hovering around 105, something like that, milligrams per deciliter. But uh, it says a study published in scientific reports shows that resistant wheat starch may reduce the risk factors associated with metabolic syndrome, including high blood pressure, and I know some of our listeners have high blood pressure, abdominal obesity, elevated fasting blood sugar, and high blood cholesterol and triglycerides. So if you're one of those people you think you're a poor carbohydrate metabolizer, uh, resistant starch may be something for you. I got one for you. Yep, they got
1: they finished the second round of retesting. Uh, Wada did as far as the Beijing and the London Olympics go. And what is it, fifteen more weightlifters? Oh, popped. Oh. and yeah, for the first time, China's showing up. They had three show up, which is enough to get them a year ban. Um, but yeah, it's looking bad for for weightlifting all of a sudden. That's twenty. Twenty weightlifters so far from Beijing and London that were up high, so they're stripping like oh, six or seven gold medals. That sucks. Um, yeah, they're talking maybe another restructure of weight classes again because basically the last two Olympics are null and void. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so yeah. what's different? Is it is it the technology has been?
1: Yeah, up? basically their technology got better, so they decided to go back and retest. Okay, because they keep samples up to so many 12 years or something like that. I don't Ooh. remember. Ooh. So, yeah. So a bunch more from Russia, Kazakhstan, the first one's from China. So three people from China and like all three of them had gold medals. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's coming back hard, but, uh, you know, I was joking with uh, Darrell, a Darrell, a fellow coach and, uh, if, if they dig deep enough, we might have some medals from those Olympics. You know, if they keep going. <laughs> oh, right. Just, yeah. <laughs> Move us on up. Yeah, you know? as the cards fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys got all the all the medals. You know, everybody else was on. Right. But, yeah, we'll see. It's not looking good. So, uh,
0: but yeah. Oh, so. man. Well, you know, we've had this discussion before, and I think we should have it periodically, which is maybe it's time. I mean, when such a significant percentage of athletes are testing positive, I don't know. Maybe you just create open divisions, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know. I know that's blasphemous, but, you know.
1: Well, yeah, and my problem is, is like, with the Olympics anyways, it's supposed to be an amateur sport, but it's it's anything but that, (laughs) you know, now. Right, yeah. I mean, everybody taking part of it is a professional. Anybody up there doing it at the high level, their job is their sport. You know, it's not. So, but, uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this falls down. Hopefully it doesn't go the way of like what they tried to do with wrestling and just take the whole sport out of the Olympics. But I
2: think right, there's you know. so I think there's some sports that just don't need to be in the Olympics. Well, um, I agree. I mean, yeah. yeah, badminton, that, that or just like <laughs> basketball, golf, and cycling. I mean, they have Tour de France. I mean, every year yeah. I mean, it brings in millions of dollars. I mean, why do we need why do we need basketball or especially like the NBA guys in the Olympics? Um you know, yeah, substitute it with yeah. something else. Like, uh I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. What about, like, arm wrestling or something like that? <laughs> um that sounds kind of cool i don't know maybe not i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah grip uh, grip competitions like Dr. Nelson does, you know yeah, i don't know yeah. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it's not any weirder you're right than some of the oh. some of the stuff that's in there, and you know what too i, I don't know how many listeners listeners remember back in the eighties and nineties, but uh, the Weeder brothers Joe and Ben Weeder constantly tried to get bodybuilding in the Olympics, and they really had some limited and mixed success because I mean. You know, people like, for example, with the weightlifters, they're used to seeing these behemoths strut out on stage. And let's face it, you don't get behemoths with 3% body fat without drugs, you know. And so I don't know, you know, like, no offense to the natural bodybuilders uh, that listen. But, uh, you know, at that level, if you're not that much bigger than the people in the crowd, I'm not sure. They're going to be impressed. Yeah, it's going to be dramatic enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But... Okay. All right, let's go to break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about certifications for self-improvement. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead... All that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You can simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC press and protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And, uh, I do full disclosure. I do make a small single digit uh, royalty on the book, But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact Uh, Follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everyone, we are back. Uh, we have Phil Stevens, John Mike, uh, Mary Catherine Powers, and myself, Lonnie Lowry, and we are discussing the topic about, uh, of certifications. Uh, for self-improvement. So a lot of people are familiar with s- different strength training and weightlifting certifications, usually with the intent, I-, I would argue, to train others, right? But what about the getting picking up one of these things for yourself? Like how much time's involved, what goes into it? So we asked MC to come on uh, because sh- she's got a couple of these current certifications, and I know John Mike has a ton of experience with this, and Phil and I have had different certs over the years, too, Uh, you know, let some of them drop by the wayside, stuck with others, whatever, but uh, MC, maybe, can you talk about uh, two or three of the certifications that you either have, or you feel like you want, and and how they differ?
3: Uh, Sure, Um, one of the most popular ones, I think, that almost everyone knows about, is um, through the NSCA, so the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Their main certification is the CSCS, so it's the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist Certification. So that one, um, the only requirement is you need a college degree, and you have to be first aid and CPR certified, I believe, and um, it is a computer test, and there's two parts, and one part is the science portion, and um, the NSCA puts out a book. their Essentials of Strength and Conditioning, I believe, um, and the test is literally from that book. So um, the second part of the test is a more practical portion, and um, there's more training questions, and there's a couple videos, and um, there's some scenario questions where they give you an example of, like a like a client, and they say, um, give some recommendations on what you would um, what you would subscribe. And it's all multiple choice. It's all um, on the computer. So for that test, um, for self improvement for listeners or for the general population, like I said, that one has very low requirements. You just need to read the book and take the test. There is some, I mean, you have to have some knowledge base, some previous experience a little bit, but um, that certification is generally pretty, pretty easy for the, popular, like, the lay person to go and get. Um, my other certification that I just recently got is uh, more specific to college strength and conditioning. Um, it's through the CSCCA, which is the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association. And, um, it's a very similar certification to the NSCA in some ways. Um, there are two parts, just like the NSCA, there's a science, uh, portion that is a written test, um, and it the content is very, very similar to the NSCA portion. So, one of the recommended study materials for that test is the NSCA's book. Um, the CSCCA is actually putting out their own book in the next year or two, so, um, that will be more geared toward their written test. And then the second portion, um, which makes this certification very different, is a practical portion, but you have to do it in person at the annual conference. And um, you're asked to write a training program for a given sport. So this past year when I took it, it was women's softball. They give you a time of the year, and they give you a three-week training block, and you have to program everything from – Warm-up, cool-down, stretching, lifting, speed and agility, any kind of mobility work, anything you want to do for three weeks with them. And then you're asked to – you're in front of a board of three different coaches and you have to answer questions about your program, kind of defend your program. And then another portion of that uh, practical exam is a coaching piece. So they say, please demonstrate and explain – um, how you would teach an athlete to power clean. Please oh. demonstrate mm-hmm. and explain the bench press. So usually the three they do there are clean, bench, and squat. Um, they change it sometimes, but you're given a loaded barbell or a PVC pipe, and you have to go through it in front of three coaches, and they ask you questions. And so that, to me, for what I do in the university setting, is a much more valuable uh, Interesting. Certification than the NSCA.
0: John, I mean, you're yeah. heavily involved with the NSCA. Um, do you have both of those certs, or what are your thoughts on those two?
2: I have the uh, I have CSCS and I have the uh, CPT, the, the personal trainer one. Um, and. There's also – there's a the book for each of those um, certifications, and there's the two other certs that NSA has is the TSAC or the Tactical Strength and Conditioning. Um, mm-hmm. they're, in the pro- they're in the process. You can take the cert, but they're in the process of creating the first um, book edition for that. And then the other one is the special populations, which I, I don't feel that that's very you know uh, necessary for people to get um, unless you're just really just dying to work for special populations. But the ACSM also has their own – version for special populations. Uh, but I know a lot of people that have the um, CES, uh, CCA. Um, it's, it's you know, just like MC said, it's a little bit similar to NSCA. Um, the only difference is that NSCA doesn't, you know, you don't go through, a, you know, speaking to a, a three panels of uh, uh, coaches, kind of like a, a scenario type of thing that she was describing. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of that. You know, it takes a little bit more time. Um, But um, I mean, and I also have uh, USAW and then I just got, um, I got a test out, but I just did my first um, NKT or neurokinetic therapy seminar this last weekend, um, which goes through, um, it's kind of heavy on the anatomy side. But it talks about facilitation and inhibition of musculature and working in different patterns. So facilitation, you know, muscle that could be, you know, overactive or inhibited, something that's underactive and how you develop kind of directional and relational patterns, um, especially when it comes to, like, hypertonicity uh, of muscle. Um, And a lot of people think, well, things are tight, so I have to stretch them. And um, so it's, I think we're so used to talking, like, in anatomy, like, in just parts and people don't understand like how everything works in conjunction you know, terms sort of systematically. So those are the ones that I have. Um, I I want to get my FMS one, and I think after that I'm gonna call it quits on the search Because I <laughs> mean, when it comes when it comes yeah, when it comes to certs, I mean the list is kind of endless. But what I what I what I really want to say about the certs is, yes, it really depends on what you're. Areas of interest are and what you want to go into. I mean, if you're, you know, sports nutrition, then yes, you need to get, you know, ISSN or, get, you know, get your RD. But um, <clears throat> I think when it comes to like strength and conditioning certs and like fitness certs, th- there's over 300 of them now. Right, right. And the, the number one thing that I always tell people is you have to ask yourself and know what is nationally recognized. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- uh, like uh, the organization, like Idea um, International Dance um, and, and uh, Exercise. They're based out of San Diego. They used to have uh, certs in the nineties and early two thousands, but they don't have any certs anymore. Um, like ISSA, you know, started by Doctor Fred Hatfield, you know, Doctor right. Spott. Yeah. They, I don't even know if they <clears> they're even in an existence anymore. If they even have like any. Well, cert. John, let me
0: let me ask you this though, because I what I really want to get to with this is. Which one of these helps you the most? Of the ones you have, as a competitor yourself, which one of these things has some application? Which one of these things do you think is most beneficial to yourself as a competitor?
2: Uh, I think all of them, actually, because they all mm. have different – because they all have um, you know, some advantages and disadvantages, and I think they all have, they all have value. Um, so I, I wouldn't say like one is more important because they're just uh, they're all different in some respects. But I think also too is just like everybody on the show knows you can have all these certs and still really not know shit.
0: You know, uh, thank you. Yes, we just that's we just point. To, we hired a new faculty person, um, and uh, one of the comments came up because he was being very honest, and he said I don't have a lot of strength and conditioning experience, and you know it's sort of on my docket to teach strength conditioning. And someone said, oh, well, he'll just get the NSCA certificate and then he'll be an expert. And I'm <laughs> – I got my face <laughs> in my hands going – you know, mm. like I, how many people get a driver's license and they shouldn't be on the freaking road? They're just straight up yeah. dangerous. They got a license and they suck. I, so there's, <laughs> there's got to be a combination. I, no, Don't get me wrong. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of education. I overdid it myself. I got the student loans to prove it, you know, mm-hmm. but – Phil, what do you think? I mean, you've you've had some and, and just let them fall away because after a while, let's face it, I think you and I, you get in this sort of jaded, like
1: you know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm yeah, like I, like you, I'm, I'm just jaded about the whole industry. I would actually love it if it became mandatory that to just be a coach anywhere in in the United States, you had to take a test like the one Mary was just talking about, where you actually had to go prove you knew what the hell you were doing. Not yeah. just that you can fill out a piece of paper. And fill, like, um, just, to, just to
2: kind of extend <laughs> on from that, like, I, I agree. I think that would be great. But it, it comes back to the number one thing that, that really makes
1: the world go round, and that's money. Um, yeah, that's all oh, it is. is for a, sure. Oh, money. Right, yeah. And the, 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 the problem is is that the average person now um, can go get a, some kind of certification over a weekend, mm-hmm. and now they can call themselves a coach, and the average population doesn't know the difference in between a – uh, a freaking CrossFit cert and any other cert. No. you know, n- right. The average person doesn't know what the hell those letters mean behind your name. They just want letters
0: behind your name. Well, jo- you know what, Phil? <laughs> Especially, like John said, when there's 300 different kinds, yeah. some of these are completely full of crap. And yes. other ones have practical components. Like, I like what MC said about the you know, the uh, the one that's only for the collegiate strength coaches. And you almost have to, like, do an oral defense, yes, you know, like exactly. come at and you and you're like, this is how you do it, you know.
3: And another piece of that, like we talked about before, is mentorship. So another piece of this is you're required to have a college strength and conditioning internship mm-hmm. under a certified yes. mentor. So you yeah, have to – good. The internship yeah. has to be a certain number of hours. So, like, I was a graduate assistant, and that counted as part of my – I mean, obviously, as a GI, I spend so many hours, right? So, that's part of it, and then you have to defend it. So, that certification for what I do is the most. So, the and when I apply for jobs, it's the CSCS or the collegiate, the specific one that you require. Yeah, and, the there, one and one
2: there's of. a there, there's a give and take. I want to say this because there's a give and take with what you know you just described, MC versus kind of like the masses. that's a give and take because when when you had to go in front of a board and kind of defend, in you know, like an oral defense in a sense for a certification, you, at the same time, you, you limit your overall kind of enrollment or, or, or participation, oh, yeah, but, the, but, sure. but at the same, but at the same time, you kind of raise the standards for yourself yes. or that organization. So it's, it's a, it's a give and take. And that's, that's it a is. really a, a fine line um, to, hey. to try and master. We're
1: at that point though, where they, the, <laughs> the, it needs to be limited. Everybody and their grandma is getting some kind of... They're, yeah. they're literally gas station attendance yesterday, <laughs> and then they're opening a gym this week. You know, yeah. with It's horrible.
3: I will say, and this organization makes it that way on purpose. It's right. very expensive. It's time-consuming, and their standards of passing the oral part are very high. So right. they make it that way. But like we talked about for the general population, if you just... Looking to gain education or knowledge or whatever you might be looking for, like the CSCS might be more mm-hmm. realistic. Does that make sense?
0: Okay, even yeah, though it, it might be less less defense oriented, right? Yes, right. and
3: it's it doesn't more really, affordable as well.
0: Mm.
2: To me, it doesn't. Well, it does. It does matter, but the the purpose, the fundamental premise of a certification regardless of what they are if it's nutrition related if it's you know what it it doesn't matter what it is it really just gives you the minimum amount of competency that hopefully not to kill somebody
0: let me pose this uh phil i mean because you've seen some come and go and i want mc and john to chime in on this too but this takes some thought but which which parts of these certifications are least valuable Right. Because, you know, you said that a lot of this can be about money. Everybody's got their own niche. Everybody's got their own angle, you know. Um, but is there something that our listeners would want to avoid or do you know what I mean? Is, is, well, honestly, the biggest thing I see is that people take something like this. Let's say they go take
1: the ACE test. And they think that's the end all be all. And they're done. They right. have their they have their cert, and they don't try and learn from there. They don't do what John just said. It, they don't realize it's the bare minimum. And they think mm-hmm. they
3: should just get a job <laughs> yeah. because they they're qualified because they have it. Like you talked about, yeah. Lonnie. Like, oh, they're they're qualified now. No, right. that in my industry, this is a base requirement to get an interview. Yes. Right. So if base, you don't have yes. this, I'm not even looking at your resume. Yes. But I'm looking at your resume in the stack of hundreds that also have these. So it doesn't set you, in my industry, it doesn't set you apart. You just have to have it.
0: Yeah, it gets you on the playing field. Yeah, yeah, it I just mean, makes you
3: yeah. a candidate, mm-hmm. maybe.
0: I
1: would love it if, like with weightlifting, with everything else, you know, I was having this talk with other coaches that are weightlifting coaches, if they would change it to where you literally you have to go intern for a while and mm-hmm. you have to be in a system that's actually working, not just go take a weekend cert, <laughs> you know, and because anybody can pass that, there's there's nothing to it, and you you can walk out of there. You can literally go to one of these certifications, walk out, and know very little more than when you walked in. And now you can go coach. Yeah. Right?
2: I, yeah. I think one. I think one of the most valuable things that anybody can do that that most certs, almost all certs, won't provide you. It's kind of like the the what you say, Lonnie. Like the least valuable. I think what the thing that most certs won't give you is just the overall. Years and practical training applications that you can get from doing it yourself. Um, well,
0: it's a motor skill, right? I mean, if yeah. you're going to d- develop a motor skill, like let's say squat, you know, with good form or deadlift. I mean, I've been to some of Phil's seminars. Phil's got like on a dry erase or a chalkboard. He's drawing stick figures. He's showing like resistance arms and mechanical advantage. And I mean, a lot of this stuff is I I, th- I can see that becoming helpful, but the motor pattern itself. The biological reality is it takes years of practice to build that those neuronal pathways and become actually good at it, you know what I mean, as opposed yeah. to – there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path, really. you know. And,
3: and I think there's also a difference. I'm sorry to interrupt, but even if you're the best squatter on the planet, being able to teach and coach other people in yes. the squat oh, it's a different is skill. a skill oh, it's that different, I struggle with. Skill. Like I think that's yeah. the issue. Just because you can do it and you know how it should be done, or you memorize the book, doesn't mean you can regurgitate the book or the the squat or the movement to someone else. And that's where that's where I have the biggest issue. They think they're a coach, yes. but it's your so like your communication is poor. You don't mm-hmm. actually know it in depth enough to teach it, and now you think you're certified. That's where I have it.
0: right. You, you can't read the cues. You know, like there's a lot of things I would tell students when I taught strength conditioning. I'm like, listen, I'm here. I'm a physiologist and and a nutritionist, but... I'm not a coach like coaching is a different major at universities right coaching is its own major and it's not the same thing as exercise science or exercise physiology so I'm going to tell you about the physiology of it but you really need to work under a coach and I can't I I can't pick up on these cues you know someone like yourself Phil or I think all three of you guys are much better at this than I am but you know like I'm most interested in the hypertrophy aspects some of these certifications they don't focus much on that so I'm wondering why I really should go get one you know because but, they're
3: perform a lot of them are performance based
0: that's right no that's right but see i'm also like i can look at someone and i'm not going to be saying something like you know pull with your hamstrings more or, you know your hip hinge is mistimed or you you get my yeah. point i i don't i really don't know that stuff and you know what i'm but, okay Lonnie, with that i'm okay with yeah, but, that lo-
2: but Lonnie, it goes the other way too, like with the nutrition part. I mean, I wouldn't feel as experienced right now meal plans for people. Yeah, but there's like thousands of people that don't have nutrition backgrounds right. that do it fucking all the time.
0: Oh, um, yes. you know what? And oh, that's what, like, no, so said. it
2: goes, it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's why, like Phil said, it'd be in a perfect world if we didn't have a Wild West controlled by money interests. Mm -hmm. We'd be able to say, here's the level of knowledge you need. You know, like there are some licensure type things like the RD, uh, and licensures are state regulated legalities. That makes them different from a certificate. I think listeners need to know that. But. like, for example, I had a strength coach uh, buddy of mine, Ray Eady, and he's up at uh, UW-Madison now, I think. But he's like, Lonnie, don't talk about gluconeogenesis. The basketball players don't care, <laughs> you know? <And laughs> so, but you, but you get my point. It's like, do we really need to yeah. know that from mm-hmm. if we do drag nutrition into this? No, we probably don't. And I'm sure there are similar things about acetylcholine vesicles, you know, at the synaptic cleft that a lot of lifters don't give a shit about either. Yeah, so I mean, right. where do you – You know, draw the line between practical and the physiology. I am a big fan that you better be able to tell someone, and Phil says this too, is why? Like, why am I doing it like this? But how Mm. deep, how deep does that rabbit hole go, especially when we're talking about search for your own personal benefit?
1: Well, and it's really easy to look at a book and learn this is how something should be done. It's very hard now to take that to 10 to 20 to 40 individuals. And get them in those positions.
0: Agre- and yeah. know
1: the cues to get those different individuals into that correct position because it's going to be different for everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that's a mistake that a lot of coaches make is coaching coaching lifts to other people like exactly how they would do. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Phil, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm teaching Phil how to squat, but I'm teaching him in a way that like I squat, not the oh. way he squats should squat Leads and that's squat, yes. that, that's a huge oh thank you that just, comes, you. With, that just, that just mm-hmm. comes with experience yes. and, and, I mean I don't mean like two years I mean like 17 or 20 years mm-hmm. but and at the same yes. time you can be doing something and we've talked about this on the show before you can be doing something for 10-15 years and really just not know any different or be doing something wrong
3: and to kind of go off of that point I think that even once you do have experience coaching is still such a skill that I mean, you could coach one population like for so Mm -hmm. long and still not really know how to coach another population. That's a good point. I work with with seven foot basketball players that need to learn how to squat and Mm -hmm. then an hour later I'm working with a gymnast that needs to learn how to squat and Mm -hmm. you can't teach that the same. I can't teach them how I squat because neither of those people are like me. So that's the part that you just don't you get such a general base from certifications. It's Like we said, again, it's a minimum. It's a general understanding, and now you're somewhat ready to kind of go and get experience. That's kind of more my idea of what certifications are. Yeah, I agree.
0: At least that's food for thought for everyone, I think, for listeners. Like, if you're going to go get a certification yourself, think about some of the different aspects. How much of this is physiology? How much is coaching? How much can you apply to yourself? You know, read up on them in advance. Talk to people that have the cert. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, including the mentorship model. I think it's got to be part of it. It's just got to be part of yeah, it. Yeah, I sure. agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, um, good stuff. Well, we'll see everybody next week. All right. All right. Yeah. See you next week. See ya. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, in their thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's hall of iron and if you want something about motivation or daily training fortress's hall has what you're looking for there are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores we try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store and whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced you can take heart that you're not wasting your time the things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good, Uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening.